This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Do you believe in ghosts? Well, tonight, the saint, played by Vincent Price, has a story about the ghost who came to dinner. The Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Hey, Mr. Templer. Yes, Louie? Starting to rain. So it is. You couldn't get a dinner back in town. You had to travel all the way out of here in the country to eat. Louie, I was invited to a dinner party, and Long Island is hardly the country. It's full of trees, ain't it? Uh, true. This does happen to be a rather lonely spot, but... The rain is getting heavier, too. I should have stood in Brooklyn. Oh, I'm sorry, Louie. What is a cabbie from Brooklyn doing out here in the middle of nature? Well, he seems to be driving a cab. I... Hey, uh, Louie. Yeah? Is it possible that the roof of your cab leaks? <laughs> it's possible. It's leaking. On you? On me. Well, after all, Mr. Temple, according to the chemistry books, we're composed of 98% water anyways. Perhaps. I find the percentage high enough without any additions, however. <laughs> There's no extra charge. <laughs> We've got... Hey, Mr. Temple, the motor. Uh, it stopped. Yeah, so I notice. Discouragement? No, it's possible the hood leaks, too. Oh, that's nice. No, don't blame the motor. After all, it ain't composed 98% water. It shortly will be. <laughs> While we sit here and calmly contract pneumonia. Who's calm? Look, Mr. Templer, you know something? This could be the beginning of like a real horror story. It's the nighttime where two guys stuck out here in the wilderness. Long Island. The rain is raining, the thunder is thundering, and I'm scared. You know what ought to happen next? If this was a horror story... <laughs> That's what ought to happen next. It did. Oh, sound came from the left through those trees. Yeah. Oh, hey, I see lights. It must be a house. Doesn't seem very far away. But that's where the dog yelled from, huh? Yes, except that judging from the sound, the dog was outside. That's strange. Why would a dog be out in this downpour? Maybe he read a book on chemistry. Or maybe he's just leading the dog's life. <laughs> that was a joke, I think. Yeah. And I may laugh later at this moment. There's someone running down the road. Yeah, from the direction of the house. Look, he's heading for us. I hope you don't mind, but 
Can you give me a lift back to Glenville? Oh, we'd be glad to, except that we're stuck here ourselves. However, you can join us inside. It's slightly less damp. Thanks. But I won't stay long. I don't care for the neighborhood. Yeah, how did you get here? I'm a camp driver. Well, where's your cab? Back there. That house? Yeah. The Hawthorne place. Well, why didn't you take your cab when you left? Because I was in a hurry. Because there was things closer to the camp than I was. What kind of things? Listen, young man. Nobody lives in the Hawthorne house. Nobody's lived there for over a hundred years. So tonight, back in town, I picked up a fare, and where does he want to go? The Hawthorne house. I'm an old fool, so I take him there. He gets out of the house, tells me to wait, goes inside. I walk around to stretch my legs. Then I notice the house is all lit up. I think that's mighty queer. But I figure maybe somebody new bought the place. Well, perhaps someone did. No, because I go around to the side, and I look into the house through the big front window, and I see who's in the house. It ain't anybody new. Well, who was it? It was the folks who used to live in that house a hundred years ago. Huh? And what was worse, they were sitting around a table eating dinner. Oh, I see. You say they were the people who lived there a hundred years ago. Well, how could you know that? Because of the way they was dressed. Because of the way they looked. Mister, I've lived in Glenville all my life. And there's pictures of the Hawthorns going way back in the Glenville Town Hall. Well, perhaps the people you saw were descendants of the original Hawthorns. Sure, sure, except nobody dresses that way anymore. Except that one of them was bleeding onto the tablecloth with his throat cut open, and another was putting food into his mouth, only he didn't have a face around that mouth. <laughs> Look, you're uh, positive you didn't imagine... All right, I imagined it. I'm crazy. Think whatever you like. But me, I'm getting out of here. So long. Hey. Let's us get out of here, too, Louie. Hmm? Oh, that's swell with me. Are we going to walk to Glenville? No, I'd like to take a look at that house. Why? Well, we may still be in time for dinner. Mr. Templer, I ain't hungry. And besides, that guy might still maybe be bleeding. I doubt it. You do, huh? Why? You're forgetting we're 98% water, aren't you? Oh, that answer's supposed to cheer me up. It's the dog I'm worrying about, Louie. Why? Well, out here, a dog would be kept for companionship, protection. Therefore, why was that dog put out in the rain? I just as soon forget the dog. <coughs> oh, somebody is busy not paying attention to me. Oh, hey, that's the house, huh? Yeah, obviously. Colonial architecture, large, rather pretty. Huh. Brilliantly lit. With colonial electricity? Candles, Louie. Huh? You can see them through that large window. Chandeliers ablaze with candles. I can't see anything else except the ceiling. Oh, that must be the dining room. Yeah, probably. Mr. Templer, is all this real? It seems to be. Huh. Hey, a uh, bell pull on the door, huh? Mm. <coughs> Ooh, the dog don't like our ringing the bell. Look, Mr. Templer, look. An elephant with teeth. Yeah, it's a large dog. It's drenched. Look out for your hand. You could easily swallow it. He... Oh, look, now he's heading for me. Mr. Templer, did I have to come all the way out here to feed a dog? Oh, don't be silly, Louie. He likes you. He's looking up at yeah, you. Yeah, trying to decide which part to start on. Louie, there's positively a light in his eyes. For all you know, you may be his ideal. Yeah, sure. His ideal dog food. Oh, get down. Mr. Templer, leave us go inside, huh? No one answered the bell. I wonder. Uh... Yeah, it's open. Hey, look, the pooch. 
He's leaving. Strange. He sounds terrified. But of what? I didn't say a thing. <laughs> Hallway seems empty. Let's go in. Oh. Kind of quiet. Yeah. Not even a chain clanking, not even a creaking. Hey, Louie, there. What? There's a door down the hallway. It's uh, probably the dining room. No, I ain't hungry. House is old, dusty, unused. But there is a light. Yeah, maybe they forgot to turn the gas off when they all died or something. Uh-huh. It's the dining room. I ought to run out and buy some oil for the door. Large table in the center. Chairs all around. White linen and polished silver on the table. Yeah, plus dishes with food. Yeah. And food that's warm, Louie. Look, Mr. Templer, I don't like this. A house in which nobody's lived for a hundred years, miles from anywhere, all lit up with candles in the middle of the night, a table with fresh-cooked food on it, and there's no one, no one at all at the table. Unless, uh... Unless we can't see them, Louie. Found a lot of cobwebs, Mr. Templin, a lot of empty rooms, but nothing living. No. May as well head back to the dining room. Don't let your appetite tempt you. Probably by now all the food has vanished. Hey, listen to that sound. Yeah. Like dishes rattling? Yeah. Come on. Maybe maybe the guests all, all came back. They were in the house. It would mean they'd all have to rush out into the rain, but why? They were thirsty, maybe. I don't know. The door's ajar. Shh, shh, shh. Perhaps we can look in without being seen. Yeah. I don't believe it. A butler. An old guy dressed in clothes that belong in a museum. Look at he's got knee pants on with lace cuffs. And at that table, where there's no one seated, he's serving dinner. Maybe he's just practicing. For what? I heard of ghost writers. Maybe he's a ghost butler. (laughs) Suppose we go in and find out, huh? Good evening. Be still, if you please, be still. He's afraid we might disturb the guests. He's gathering some of the dishes. Going to the swinging door. Probably leads to the pantry. Look, he's waving on us. Should we wave back? No, he wants us to join him. Mm-hmm. Come along. Uh-huh. Serving pantry. I, uh, beg your pardon. Indeed you should. But uh, you are... Horton. Horton's the name, of course. But the footman must have told you that. The footman? Uh, Caleb, he let you in, didn't he? Shouldn't have directed you to the dining room, of course. But then he's getting old. You'd better go to your quarters at once. There, behind the main staircase. Glad you came along. We need you. Caleb isn't the man he used to be. But then he's been with the Hawthorns for so many years. I remember when he entered service. You do? It was the year old Boney got his toes toasted at Moscow. (laughs) (laughs) Old Boney? (laughs) Can't stand around gossiping all evening. Guests might notice. Uh, Get to your quarters, man. I've work to do. Hey. Look, he ducked out. Yeah. The door's locked. Probably a spring latch, which means we may as well go back to the dining room. hmm? Look, you know, something's wrong with this whole thing. Mr. Templer. Who is Old Boney? Huh? Oh, that happens to be the nickname the English had for Napoleon, Louis. Oh, fine. So Horton says he remembers the year Old Boney got his toes toasted at Moscow. 
Look, my brother-in-law, Joey, you know, happens to be a very educated man. College man? No, no, graduated from the United States Army. He's now a mechanical-type engineer. Look, anyway, once he told me Napoleon was in Moscow in 1812. Yes, your brother-in-law was correct. But, Mr. Temple, that would make this guy Horton over, uh, over 150 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid it would. A guy over 150 years old is dead. So what's Horton doing walking around, huh? Well, he may have been too busy to lie down and die. That does not put a twinkle in my eye. Look, Mr. Temple, I want to go home. Louis, there's a what? pattern here of some kind. A pattern for horror. And if that pattern is to mean anything, I... Hey, Louis. Huh? That closet there. Yeah, it's a closet. Yeah. Yeah, suppose we open it. Look, I, I don't like to mention this, but in all old families, you know what they keep in closets? They keep skeleton in closets. Mm. Stempler. Oh. He, he, he... It fell down. Yeah. No skeleton, however. That I can see for myself. Fortunate thing on the whole. Why, what's fortunate about it? Well, with a skeleton, you could never tell whether or not its throat had been cut. His throat has been cut? Yeah, thoroughly. Let's go take a trip someplace. Let's Louis, what? Haven't you realized something else? I don't think I want to. This man here is dressed just as we are, not in the costume of a dead age. Well, it didn't help him any. Oh, you found something? Yeah. Long brown hairs clinging to his clothes and... Uh-huh. Various papers. Yeah. In life, Louis, his name was Charles Gray. He was a lawyer. Oh, the Bar Association ain't gonna like this. There's something else. What? He was carrying this document, Louis. Yeah, what is it? A copy of the last will of one Samuel Hawthorne. Hawthorne? Him we didn't meet yet. No. No, lots of closets we haven't opened yet, either. Yeah, we're not going to if I can help it. Well, what does the will say? And you better read fast because all them candles, you know, are beginning to give up. Uh, I, Samuel Hawthorne, being sound of mind and body, do hereby make this my last will and testament. <laughs> it is my desire that all my heirs in time to come, in order to inherit my vast fortunes, must at least once a year open Hawthorne House and there give a ceremonial dinner to the neighboring gentry. In costume? Yeah. Uh-huh. At this dinner, everyone present must wear clothing of my time. Uh-huh, yeah. My heirs must be of high moral repute and avoid divorces. <laughs> Obviously, the dead man here, Mr. Charles Gray, was the lawyer in charge of the estate and presumably came here to make sure the terms of the will were met. Okay, so now we know the ghosts weren't really ghosts. Yeah, but what? We haven't seen any of them. It's true. Nor any neighboring gentry. However, that stipulation was probably way. Yeah, look, and... Mr. Templer, you know, we, we better maybe get the police. Yeah, there aren't any phones around here, Louie. Couldn't we walk to Glenville? No, Louie, I, I think we're here for the night. Oh, fine, fine. Fits right in with that pattern for horror you mentioned. Oh, all I personally need right now is for someone to scream good and loud and... <laughs> Mr. Templer, this makes the second time we've searched the house and found nothing. That was a woman screaming, Louis. Maybe it was a ghost. Ghosts aren't supposed to scream. They clank chains. Yeah, maybe this here ghost didn't know that. What, back to the dining room? Yeah, I suppose. Only room in the house with light. Is that good? Maybe the corpse took a walk. Or... No. Still here. Yeah, and still dead. 
Ah, fellas. You having fun? Dressed up like Napoleon, too. Look, he ain't walking very straight. I hate to say I'm inquisitive, but, uh... Oh, Mr. Guy. It starts in a bad way, isn't it? But it's not especially normal. Um, I'm Simon Templer. And you? James Hawthorne, sir. Besides housebreaking, your occupation is what? Hey, you're the saint, aren't you? Yes, I am. Oh. Isn't the setting of larynxes rather an odd occupation for the saint? But it would be if I had cut Mr. Gray's throat. However, uh, you're uh, Samuel Hawthorne's heir? Yeah, the current one, yes. Uh, You've been snooping. But there was a clause in the will about divorce. You've been overdoing that snooping. You're married, Mr. Hawthorne? Sorry. It would have helped supply a motive, I suppose, but... I'm not, nor have I ever been, fortunate or unfortunate enough to be married. A woman screamed a few moments ago. Uh, who was she? I didn't hear. But you couldn't have failed to if you were in the house. But I wasn't. But you must have been. It's been raining out. Your clothes are dry and spotless. Well, to be honest, I wasn't in the house, and yet I was. You searched the house, I presume? Yes, yes. You overlooked the cellar. I didn't find one. It's a tricky place to get to. The entrance is behind the chimney in the parlor. There's something to do with colonial politics, perhaps. At any rate, I was down there. You're fond of selling? Uh, well, when they were equipped with bottles and bottles and bottles of Napoleon brandy, yes. Uh, now, if you don't mind, I'll sit down. I have another few hours to remain in costume and here. In order to comply with the terms of the will. I'm sleepy. I shall, therefore. That's polite. It's more probably brandy. So, what do we do? Sit here and listen to him snore? Napoleon keeps cropping up all the time. Mm. Louis, hmm? suppose we go downstairs and have a look at his bottles. Hmm? Oh! Some staircase down to the cellar. Yeah, it's very narrow. My shoulders keep rubbing against the wall. And a dirty wall, too. Hey, look, the cellar's all lit up. Oh. Candles on barrels. Hey, and lots of barrels, not to mention kegs and casks and everything. Hands up! Yeah, casks and blondes and... I said hands up! With 42 caliber revolvers. 42? You didn't expect me to be armed, did you? I'm afraid we didn't expect you at all, Miss... Naturally, you would say that. But this isn't going to work out the way you thought. I'm afraid I haven't had any thoughts recently. Look, Mr. Templer, she's running up the stairs. Yes. Hey. She bolted the door behind her. Oh, Mr. Templer, that was a very solid type of door leading to the cellar. And the cellar is about six miles underneath the ground, and we're locked in. Oh, don't worry, Louie. We'll be released in time. In time for what? A funeral? That girl was beautiful, Louie. She's on the other side of a locked door, so what good is it doing you, huh? I can worry. Oh, this is an occupation for a grown man. Worry about what? The part she's playing in this entire massacre. Mr. Templer! Yeah, those were shots. Did they answer your question? Hardly. We don't know who shot at whom. The girl had a revolver. Yeah, so she had. Still locked? Yeah, still locked. Now, don't bother, Louie. No one will answer. Oh. May as well go down again and make ourselves comfortable. Yeah. For how long? 20 years? Oh, don't be silly, Louie. You got an optimistic thought? We'd never last 20 years down here. You know something, Mr. Templer? Hmm? I'm beginning to feel aged in the wood. <laughs> you better restrain yourself. Hmm. 
We've only been down here half an hour, perhaps. Hey, hey, the Marines have landed. Yeah. Now, let's get another bottle. Get another bottle. Uh, definitely an amphibious operation. Good for the... Oh, Mr. Templer. Tripling, huh? Well, not exactly. Ah, very naughty of you. Don't mind admitting that's why I'm here myself. Need another bottle of brandy. Don't know what happened to the one upstairs. It's all empty. Must have evaporated, huh? Oh, perhaps those shots frightened it out of the bottle. Oh, you had them, too. Yeah. I had them myself, you know. Matter of fact, I'm violating no confidence when I tell you those shots were fired at me. Whoever shot at you couldn't have had very good aim. Fortunately for me, no. Carla, dear cousin Carla, happens to be, and I permit myself to be vulgar, a lousy marksman. Or, or should I say marswoman? Carla being blonde and beautiful. Oh, you've married her. She's next in line for Samuel Hawthorne's pretty little fortune, you know. If I should happen to be disqualified or dead. Well, you have your bottles. Suppose we go upstairs, hmm? An idea. Bottle <laughs> staircase, plaster walls, comes off from one's shoulders, eh? Can't rub it off, either. Yeah, back in the parlor. Mr. Temple, you have a reputation for these things. Who cut Mr. Gray's throat? A murderer. Oh, very pretty, it, sir. But, uh, but why? It was Mr. Gray's task to see to it that the provisions of the will were observed. His death, therefore, must have had something to do with that. You're a bachelor? Indeed I am. Was he? No. Had a pretty little wife. Oh, oh she'll be desolate. As a matter of fact, really thinking about her grief makes me desolate. Uh -huh. Therefore, touching this bottle, and I hope you won't think me too terribly selfish. I shall toddle off to Betty by a dusty bed, perhaps, but it's almost morning. Uh, hey, good night, John. Him, I am very glad to see go. But how about us? Now we go for the police, Louis, if your cab will start. However, Carla... Oh, let's not look for her, huh, Mr. Templer? A girl with all those calibers don't appeal to me. Oh, you're being narrow-minded, Louis. After all those shots, how many calibers can she have left? It's wet out, it's cold, it's dark, but do I mind? No. Out here, at least, no ghosts. No corpses, neither. Louis. What? Look. Oh, the other cab. Let's have a look, Louis. Yeah. I didn't like that. Hmm. Should I take a look, too? You might as well. Okay. I'll take... Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's the frightened cab driver, Mr. Templer. Yes, except that nothing will frighten him anymore. Mr. Templer, this here's not a healthy neighborhood for throats. His has been cut, too. Yes, yeah, same technique is used on Gray. Louis, we've got to get back to the house. You don't like our throats the way they are? Come along, Louis. There's no time to go to Glenville. There's lots of time. In which a murderer may kill again. Oh, let's change a few subjects, huh? Very well. Yeah, I've got three questions, Louis. Why did the cab driver, whose body we've just seen, lie to us? Why did Carla think she was in danger from us? And can a bachelor be divorced? The answer to the last one, I know. He can't. Right. Uh -huh. Therefore, we know who the murderer is, don't we? Ooh. 
say, that dog. And we know about him, too, don't we? What do we know about him? You remember I mentioned the long brown hairs clinging to Gray's clothes? Yeah. Those hairs must have come from the dog we saw. The dog, therefore, belonged to Gray. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, Mr. Templer, Uh down the hall in that alcove? Yeah, if I move quickly. Hello, Carla. Going to run away? No, but I won't let go of the gun. Oh, yes, you will. It's much too heavy for you. Ow. Now, just come along with us. All right. If you don't try anything. I won't, except for catching a killer. A killer? But what... Mm, we want the dining room. Well, everybody back so soon? Nearly everyone, Mr. Hawthorne. Oh, I'm glad you got Carla's gun, Mr. Templer. She might not miss me again. We don't know that it was she who shot at you, do we, Carla? Why? Uh, it would be easy to discover if this gun has been fired recently. Well, maybe I did shoot at him, but I... There's something else that should come first. Charles Gray was murdered in this house earlier tonight. Why? Both you, Mr. Hawthorne, and Carla covered a fortune. That's why you're both here. Yeah, Mr. Temple. Louis, all Mr. Hawthorne had to do was spend the night here in appropriate costume and also refrain from appearing in a divorce case. A bachelor can appear in a divorce case, can't he, Mr. Hawthorne? Mm. You found the papers for the divorce suit on Gray. Maybe me as correspondent, eh? He was always so touchy about his wife. I didn't find them. Doesn't matter, however. I knew they or something like them had to exist. On the other hand, if Horton, the ghost butler we found serving dinner earlier this evening, is really insane... You're trying to pin the murder on him? He left the house in time to have committed it. Yeah, there's usually a motive, you know. Mr. Hawthorne, which murder are you talking about? I, uh, a Gray's murder, naturally. No, because Horton wouldn't have had to leave the house to kill him. Gray was murdered in this room. But you accepted my statement about having to leave the house to murder. We're both talking about the cab driver's murder, aren't we? What cab driver? The one who brought Gray here, the one who saw Gray murdered, the one who fled and then thought things over and decided to return for a little exercise in blackmail. Yeah, Mr. Temple, you said he lied to us, but what about? You remember, Louis, he told us he'd looked into the dining room through the front window and had seen the ghost at dinner? Huh? You also remember, however, that when we got to the house... Yeah, we looked in the front window, too. Yes. Yeah, and all we could see through it was the chandeliers in the ceiling. I said so myself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The cabbie lied. And died for it. Look, I haven't been outside the house all evening. You must have been. You claimed you were in the cellar when we first met. Yes. That's why you didn't hear Carla scream. But the cellar stairway is narrow. It's impossible to avoid getting plaster on your shoulders. Plaster that can't be rubbed off. And yet when we first met, I remarked that your clothes were spotless. They should have been wet. Nonsense. You'd had time to change from your ordinary clothes. You didn't think of rubbing plaster on the costume, however. <laughs> Too bad. You might then have applied to the scarlet of murder a coat of whitewash. I was hiding in the cellar because James had threatened me. You see, I knew Mr. Gray was going to sue his wife for a divorce and name James. Mm, And if he did, you would inherit all the Hawthorne money? Yes. I was terrified that he would kill me. I see. Tell me about Horton, Carla. Poor Horton has been hired every year for the occasion. He's very, very old. Now tell me about you, Simon. (laughs) Well, I... Mr. Templer, I don't mean to interrupt you and Miss Carla, but it's... Louis, you don't have the ghost of a chance. (laughs) 
You have been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here is our star. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. This script of the saint was written by Louis Vittes. In the cast, you heard Adrian Martin as Carla and Edmund McDonald as James. Tudor Owen was the butler. Fred Shields, the cab driver. Louis is played by Larry Dodkin. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. Your announcer, Don Stanley. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Whether it's comedy, music, or drama you're after, you'll find it on the big show today. And today also means a one-hour adaptation of F. Scott Fitzgerald's exciting novel, This Side of Paradise, presented by Theatre Guild on the Air and starring Richard Widmark and Nina Foch. April is Cancer Control Month. Guard your family against cancer by joining the 1951 Cancer Crusade. Mail your generous contribution to cancer, care of your local post office. Hear the cast of Green Pastures today on NBC. Stay tuned for The Jack Benny Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for that penny-pinching comedian to display his flair for the dramatic pause. Yes, it's time we join Jack Benny and all the gang in an episode that sounds like Little Abner and Daisy May should be involved. Let's hear the story now of the Hillbilly Feud. The Jello Program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens a program with I Hear Bluebirds. by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our master of ceremonies, a man who had his auction picked up last Sunday and now looks ten years younger, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Jello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, the fact that I'm in good spirits today and look younger has nothing to do with my contract being renewed. I'm always this way. Now, wait a minute, Jack. When our sponsor came to your house for dinner last Sunday, you were a wreck. Who, me? Why, I never saw anyone so jittery and nervous. Me, jittery? Yes, you. Until Mr. Mortimer picked up your option, you made a darn fool of yourself. What are you talking about? All evening long it was, have a cigarette, Mr. Mortimer. Have a cigar, Mr. Mortimer. Here, take this chair, Mr. Mortimer. It's softer. Oh, I didn't make such a fuss over him. Go on, he happened to sneeze once and you sent Rochester out for an oxygen tent. (laughs) Well, I just did that for a gag. What's the matter with you two? And the way you waited on him. You wouldn't let the man do anything for himself. What do you mean? When his shoelace came undone, who tied it? Mary, I happened to be down on the floor at the time. That's the only reason I did it. Well, let me ask you something. Why were you laying on the floor in the first place? What? 
What was that, Phil? I said, why were you laying on the floor in the first place? Phil, you should be the last one in the world to ask anybody why they're laying on the floor at a party. <laughs> why, I... I know bearskin rugs that lead less horizontal lives than you do. <laughs> and incidentally, Phil, you might at least thank me for the good time you had last Sunday. What good time? All we did was play bingo and our sponsor won every game. Boy, was that oblivious. You mean obvious. <laughs> However, there was nothing obvious about it. Mr. Mortimer is lucky at bingo, that's all. I only called the numbers the way they came up. And the way they came up shouldn't happen to a dog. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Frankly, Jack, I, I don't know what the rest of us were playing for. You let Mr. Mortimer bingo every time. All right, so he won the salad bowl. <laughs> but don't forget, he paid 25 cents a card, the same as everybody else. And that salad bowl was a Christmas gift from Eddie Cantor. That's a lie. I got it for my birthday from Olson and Johnson. Boy, are they cheap. Just because they're a team, they give one present. <laughs> and incidentally, fellas, it seems funny that you can all criticize and complain. Yet not one of you has the courtesy to mention the delicious food I served. Why, you guys all ate like it was your last meal. Well, until he picked up your option, Jackson, we weren't sure. <laughs> Maybe you weren't, Phil, but I wasn't the least bit worried. I knew I was going to be signed up for next season two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yes, I had definite information. Oh, you and that phony fortune teller. Phony? Mary, there's nothing phony about Madame Zuzu. She clicks like a castanet. <laughs> Why, she's marvelous. Oh, yeah? Four years ago, she told me I was going to marry Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor, she said. All right, so she misses once in a while. Why did she have to miss on that one? It was just fate, that's all. Even a crystal ball has an off day now and then. Hey, wait a minute. Madam Zuzu... You know, I went to her place once. You did, Phil? Yeah, she told me I was bashful. Ain't that a Lulu? <laughs> bashful? You of all people. And she was sitting on my lap at the time. I can't understand. <laughs> me neither. I'd like to take that crystal ball and hit her over the head with it. Mary, will you forget about Robert Taylor? And speaking of Madame Zuzu, fellas... If you knew what she told me about my movie career, you'd all be plenty excited. What did she tell you, Jack? Never mind. You'll read it in the paper next winter. Come on, Jackson. Tell us. No, nothing doing. It's a secret. Okay. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Madam Zuzu looked in the crystal, and guess who's going to win the Academy Award next year? Guess who? She ought to be rated. <laughs> All right, just for that, Mary, you're not going with me to the Academy Banquet and hear my acceptance speech. Your acceptance speech? Yes, I'm preparing it now. Oh, don't write anything that you can't switch to a letter to your father. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I wouldn't laugh too soon. By the way, Jack, not changing the subject, but uh, while Madame Zuzu was giving you the lowdown on your option, did she mention who's going to be your announcer next season? Well, I imagine you're the lucky man, Don, although there wasn't room for you in the crystal. But, uh... 
I'm sure you're set. And we'll have the same little comedian, eh, Mary? Darn it, and I picked out linen and dishes and everything. Mary, will you forget about Robert Taylor? <laughs> anyway, Don... Forget, he says. Mary. Anyway, Don, it looks like we'll have the same old gang again next year. Madam Zuzu saw all of us together in her crystal ball. She better see a lot more of that green stuff in there. You can count me out. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, I want a raise. I started to work for you four years ago, and I'm still getting the same lousy salary. Well, you got the same lousy band. <laughs> I have a motto, Phil. As ye play, so shall I pay. Now, wait a minute. What's wrong with my band? What's wrong? Hmm. You've got three violins that no one's ever heard. A guitar A guitar player who got his strings from a yo-yo top <laughs> Two piano players that have to put a nickel in for every number And a brass section that must have a sideline <laughs> And you ask for more money. Well, there's no harm trying. All right, you tried. <laughs> Incidentally, Phil, I've got your contract here in my pocket. So right after the broadcast, I want you to put your usual X on the dotted line. I understand? I can print Phil Harris now. I know, I saw it all over the wall. <laughs> Stop showing off. Well, I guess that takes care of our contract problems for next season. You haven't straightened things out with me yet, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Uh, I thought, uh, Dennis, I thought I mailed you a contract to sign. You did, but my mother tore it up. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. Supposing you and I go in the other room and talk matters over about next season. I guess we can come to an agreement. Well, my mother says... Come along, Dennis. Now, Phil... <laughs> Phil, while... Uh, Phil, while we're in the other room transacting a deal... How about playing a number? Okay, you great big businessman. <laughs> uh, come along, Dennis, my boy. Well, my Come mother... along now. Oh, Phil. What? Play loud so we can't hear Dennis screaming. <laughs>
That was Alice Blue Gown, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And very good, Phil. Say, uh, Mary, is Jack in the other room yet? Yes, he's still talking business with Dennis. The kid must be holding out. Yeah, I'm going to open the door and listen. Oh, now, wait a minute, Mary. That isn't ethical. Ethical schmethical. Let's listen in, babe. <laughs> I will. Now, quiet. Sure, Dennis, sure. I know you're worth it, but that's a little too steep. Well, my mother says that next year I ought to get $500 a week. 500 eh? Uh-huh. Well, well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. They're still at it, boys. How's Dennis making out? He's in the neighborhood of 500 but I don't think he'll move in there. <laughs> you know, that Benny's terrific. You know, he's the guy that started the second cup of coffee is free movement. <laughs> yeah, what a character. Well, I think we ought to get going on with the program, uh... See how they're coming along, Mary. Okay. Absolutely, Dennis. I agree with you, but my budget won't permit it. Well, my mother says Look, Dennis, that... look. <laughs> Dennis, would you be satisfied with $250 a week? $250? Oh, sure, that's well. I see. <laughs> hmm. Well, now look, Dennis. You're young yet, and you've got your whole future ahead of you. I'll tell you what I'll do. Well, it's still going on. What's the latest report? Ceiling 500, vision 250. <laughs> it looks bad. Why don't the kid walk out on him? He can't. Jack's sitting on his chest. <laughs> it looks like an all-day session. Now, quiet, everybody. You're right, Dennis. You're absolutely right, but... $85 a week is a lot of money. <laughs> After all, you're just a kid. I can't breathe. Move down a little, will you? <laughs> I'm, uh... I'm sorry, Dennis. Now, let's talk this over carefully. I'm sure we can get together. I'll tell you what. Well, that beats everything. What's the figure now, Mary? Eighty-five, and they haven't struck bottom. I never saw a guy as tight as Jack. You remember that Gladys Zabisco he used to go with? Yeah. Well, he broke up with her because she took appetite pills. <laughs> and he was nuts about her, too. Well, here goes for another peek. Quiet now, fellas. Okay, Dennis, it's a deal. Thirty-seven fifty a week. <laughs> Sign right here on the dotted line. What's going on here? <laughs> Dennis, please. Here's the pen. Sign right here. Well, I ought to speak to my mother first. All right. Now, here's what you tell her. It's the last round, and Dennis is on the rope. What was Jack's final offer? Thirty-seven fifty a week. Thirty-seven fifty? Why the kid's getting thirty-seven now? Yeah, but I guess Jack feels he ought to have a raise. <laughs> you know. Well, let's go ahead with the program, fellas. We're all set, eh, Dennis? Yeah, I guess so. Hey, Dennis, what did Jackson offer you for next season? Well, I'm going. Don't to... tell him, Dennis. Don't tell him. We don't want the others to be jealous of you. Holy smoke! Am I making more money than they are? <laughs> Could be, could be. You know what, Jack? What? You save more money by accident than Harry Lauder does on purpose. Oh, yeah? Well, Mary, I'd be quiet if I were you. Uh, Madam Zuzu looked in the crystal the other day, and you were wrapping up a pair of stockings. 
And now, Dennis, now that everything has been smoothed out to our mutual satisfaction, how about singing a nice song for us? Okay. What's it going to be, Dennis? I'm going to sing... Hold it a minute. I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Bennett. This is Rochester. Oh, it's you. Rochester, if you'd listen to the program, you wouldn't always call up and interrupt in the middle of it. Why don't you tune in once in a while? Well, frankly, boss, you don't do the kind of stuff that intrigues me. <laughs> I know. You won't listen to any program where you don't tear something off, send it in, and get something back. <laughs> now, what do you want? What's on your mind? Well, boss, you know Hollywood Park Racetrack opened last Thursday. Yes. And you know how cheap oats are right now. Oats? What are you driving at? I bought a racehorse. Can I keep him in the garage? <laughs> you bought a racehorse? Rochester, how can you possibly afford to buy a horse on your salary? Well, I paid $2 down. I got 30 days to raise the other 1800 <laughs> You mean you have to raise $1,800 in 30 days? Yeah, ain't that fantastic? <laughs> it certainly is. How are you going to get that much money in one lump? My back pay would do it. <laughs> Rochester, if you're referring to your investment in the Benny Protective and Endowment Association... <laughs> that doesn't mature until you're 40. I'll be 40 tomorrow. That's a lie. <laughs> now, Rochester, you take that horse back to wherever you got it. There's no room for it in the garage. There is now. I put the Maxwell out in the street for the summer. Well, put it right back in again. I don't want my car out in the street. Somebody will come along and steal it. I'd like to get a picture of that. I could sell it to pick, click, or flick. <laughs> Rochester... I'm not going to argue with you. Now, you get rid of that broken-down nag. He ain't a broken-down nag. He won over 100 races. Won? All right, run. That's more like it. Now, you do as I say. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, boss. What is it now? Uh, I don't like Section 8, Paragraph D of my new contract. What's wrong with it? Section 8 says you get $30 a week. I know, but paragraph D says a week is 14 days. I'm trying out something new. Anyway, we'll discuss that when I get home. Goodbye. Goodbye. The idea of buying a racehorse. He'll probably have me out in the morning clocking it. He'll never get up. Well, sing, Dennis. Don't stand there like a dodo. Oh, where was I the night that you surrendered to a sigh? Someone else came by Where was I? 
my love was strong for you. I sang love songs to you recall. One night you learned to care. It wasn't my affair. I wasn't even there at all. Oh, where was I the night that you surrendered to a sigh? Where was I? The moon was high. Listen to a lie. Where was I? he has to have. Oh, well. That was Where Was I, sung by Dennis Day, who I'm sure will be with us for many years to come. Yes, sir. If I ever get smart, watch out. <laughs> now, Dennis, you say one more thing like that, and I'm going to take you in the next room and give you a good talking to. Boy, will he be flat-chested. <laughs> Never mind. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, Mr. Don Wilson, that eminent American playwright, has written another of his famous one-act plays. A hillbilly melodram entitled The Code of the Hills. Or Shoot Me in the Pants, Zeke. The rest is store clothes. <laughs> Set the scene, Mr. Wilson. Gladly. The locale, ladies and gentlemen, is the cabin of the Jake Bennies in a remote section of the Ozarks. The Jake Bennies are in the midst of a feud with their longtime enemies and neighbors, the Fudd Allens. Oh, pardon me, Don. I would like to announce, folks, that any resemblance between the Fudd Allen and our play... And the Fred Allen of radio is purely intentional. <laughs> if he's not a hillbilly, I never saw one. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. It is six o'clock in the evening, and the shooting has been going on all day. Curtain, music. <laughs> That gun away, Pa. Supper's awaiting. Be right there, Mo. A shooting and a killing, a shooting and a killing. When is it gonna stop? We ain't gonna quit till them Allens are wiped out. There ain't room in these yard hills for the both of us. You said it, Pappy. Get away from them doors, Zeb. Say, Pa, what have you and got again the Fudd Allens? I'll tell you what I got again. One night I asked Fudd how many hairs on a monkey's face. And he said, the next time you shave, count them. <laughs> he knew I couldn't count. <laughs> well, I ain't a-tearing for that kind of city talk, and I ain't forgetting. Hey, son, barricade that double door. 
Oh, Pappy. Son. They got me, Pappy. They got me. What was that, Paul? They uns got our boy, Zeb. Shot him right through the doors. I didn't know he was a-wearing them. <laughs> I'll get them Allens for this. Kids don't grow on bushes. No siree. I'm a-going, Pappy. I'm a-getting weaker and weaker. Goodbye, Pappy. Goodbye, Mo. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> well, what do we got for supper, Mo? Lunch. Good. Dish it out. Howdy, Uncle Jake. Hello, thou twitch. <laughs> You shouldn't be walking around with your left arm shot up like that. Well, I've been a seeking some cords to tie it up with. It keeps a falling off. <laughs> you know, Twitch, I don't like the way that arm of yours keeps the dropping off. It might be ailing. What's that you got under your other arm? My right leg. <laughs> oh. Well, put it in the umbrella stand and come to supper. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, gone! I wish them Allens would hold off till we get through eating. I'm a going, Pappy. I'm a going. Take your time, son. <laughs> uh, pass the coffee, Ma. Hey, Jake, what happened to Cousin Zeb? One of the Allens plugged him. Have some coffee, Twitch. Oh, gone! Don't those Allens know it's supper time? By the way, Ma, where's our daughter, Linda Lou, Nettie Mae, Lily Bell, Harvest Moon? <laughs> Where is she? She went down to the village to buy a girdle. Had her heart set on it. A girdle? Oh, boy, we can have some hot cakes. That griddle! <laughs> What's a girdle, Ma? Something them city gals are wearing. It's like a sweater, only it snaps at you. <laughs> By gum, what'll they be thinking up next? Here she is now. Hello, Linda Lou, Nettie Mae, Lily Bell, Harvest Moon. Hello, Pappy. Hello, Ma. Hello, Linda Lou, Nettie Bell. I mean, Lily Mae. I mean, Nettie Mae. Oh, nuts. Hello. We ends have been a-worrying about you, gal. You shouldn't be out of doors at a time like this. Why not? Them Allens couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. No, but they could hit yours. <laughs> Sit down, gal. Say, Uncle Jake. What is it, Tweet? Look out the window. Ain't that one of them Allens sneaking up on us? Either that or a polecat. Give him a rifle, Ma. Watch out, Paul. Watch out. <laughs> he missed me. Oh, yeah? Where's your ear? Doggone, and I wanted to hear the Fitch bandwagon. Come on, Twitch, grab a gun. That'll teach them vomit. I wish they ends and we would stop this darn feud. Not for Ellen. He's a feuding this man in these hills. I wonder what makes him so feudy. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Ma, pass me the sugar. Oh, go on, then. Pick up that spoon, Ma. Never mind, I'll get you another one. I want that one. My hand's on it. <laughs> A shooting and a killing, a shooting and a killing. How many?
many more pages to this play? Can't be many. Here comes Porky Wilson now. Hello, Porky. Hello, Jake. Say, what happened to Zeb? Them Allens done plugged him. And none of us ain't safe till this feud is over. I am. I'm so big they're scared to shoot at me. Why, them Allens is as yellow as, uh, as, uh, as, uh... Banana. And speaking of bananas, ladies and gentlemen, do you realize how marvelous they are when sliced over a dish of tempting and appetizing... Now, milk? hold on now, Wilson. Did you write this play just to get that in? This gelatin dessert is not only economical and easy to make, but comes in six delicious flavors. Why, you... So look for the big red letters on the box. They spell... Pizza! They spell Jell-O. J-E-L-L... Oh! That got him. I'm a-going, Jake. I'm a-going. Me too. Well, that's all for tonight, folks. Will the Jake Bennys win the feud? Will the Fudd Allens be wiped out? Will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Clem, will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Zeke, will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Sam! Let it go! It's not important! My goodness, play, Phil. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Whistler, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.